Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Gooey s'mores dripping off of our s'more sticks. Yes. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. It is. What are your plans for Thanksgiving, Carol? Gobble, gobble, having um, food delivered, of course, because... <laughs> That's a great idea. I didn't because, think about that. Yeah, I don't have the day after Thanksgiving off, like a lot of lucky people. So. I don't I had the lesson learned that you don't cook a huge meal all day and then go to work the next day because yeah. you'll be grumpy. <laughs> You're right. Because then you didn't get a day off. You were a slave in the kitchen all day. That's right. Like, oh, my God. I'm going to be going to my sister's house like I do every year. And they have a big group of people. It's her family and her husband's family and their immediate children yes. together. And, yeah, it's usually a really fun time. So well, good. Yeah, and uh, I just you know any leftovers that you have since Thanksgiving is coming, and this is going to air the week of, I believe. Uh, this is when this drops. Let's talk about Plymouth, Massachusetts. Oh, awesome! Did you do your story on I Plymouth, sure Massachusetts? Did. I was trying to think of scary Thanksgiving stories, and I was like, you know, I'll just do Plymouth because, as we all know, that's where all of this glorious USA ness began. Right. That's right. That's what it all, what it all started. Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock. There was this rock. Have you seen Plymouth Rock? I don't remember. If I did it, I was a little girl. I don't remember. It looks like a small chintzy rock. And I don't know why they decided that was a rock. I guess there was a big rock and part of it, it like broke into two or something. And they took part of it and put it in like this area where you can look down and see it but it's just kind of like maybe over the years people chiseled it away for a souvenir uh, yeah <laughs> one year somebody vandalized it i guess they spray painted it but um wow yeah. at least people aren't kissing it like the blarney stone right? i heard that you can get like herpes i from bet that. you can <laughs> all sorts of stds my God! Please don't kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> Blarney, I or have the Hebrews. or the Plymouth Rock Stone. Plymouth Rock, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because because Plymouth is one of the oldest settlements, if not the oldest settlement in the United States by colonists. Um, it tends to be pretty haunted. So, Carol, my first story is about uh, Keen Philip, or otherwise known as Medicom. Well, that's quite the that's name. Quite the Medi name. Medicon. Yeah, Medicom. And are we talking about a magician here? No, it sounds to me more like a video game name or oh, something. Oh yeah, like a transformer. Like a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so his his tribal name was Medicom, and then he actually took on a pilgrim name of King Philip because at the time that he became the head of the tribe. They were in good relationship with the pilgrims. So um, that is basically the first ghost I'm going to talk about in Plymouth. Cool. So King Philip, a.k.a. Medicom, was the leader of the 
Wampanoag and Nernsent tribes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those words correctly, so please forgive me if I have got those wrong. Um, he actually inherited this position from his father and his older brother who had actually passed away, which made him the tribal leader because eventually, or at first his father was the tribal leader. Don't they call him the chief? Actually, the word I read was Sachem, S-A-C-H-E-M. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Sachem or Sachem. Okay. So that's what they were referred to as. So his job being the tribal leader was to establish and maintain good relationships with the pilgrims that were coming over. And uh, they did. They had a good relationship in the very beginning. Um, but then, of course, things started to change and more and more pilgrims started to show up. And the sort of agreement that they had in terms of fair trade and land and all of these mm -hmm. things started to change. And they, you know, Medicom felt like they were becoming less fair. And I think he's probably right about that. There were some things that the pilgrims wanted to do that he wasn't in agreement with. So one of the things they, they wanted to do was make sure no natives had any guns, which of course is ludicrous. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I thought, okay, so maybe I'm not familiar with my history, but I thought guns were given at first to the Native they Americans. They were, because, I mean, it will really help with their hunting and yeah. protection and all of those things. So, of course, it was given as gifts. Yeah, and then yeah. they were like, no, we've decided you could use those against us, so we want them back. Something, that whole thing. Something went bad there. I'm not sure why they decided that they needed the guns back or what was going on, but it started off, kind of kicked off this sort of, obviously, <laughs> Dustin issue. Right, but, um, right. Yeah. Things started to break down between the two groups and um, really were pretty hostile. And the pilgrims were always worried about a Native American if they were going to come after them. And I'm sure vice versa. Uh, but finally, after many years of living in kind of tense relationships with each other, um, the, a man named John Sassamon was actually murdered by a few Native Americans because he had been an informant on the tribes to the pilgrims. Hmm. Uh, and these natives were eventually executed by the pilgrims as punishment for what they did uh, to John Sassamon in the first place. So that kicked off what history calls King Philip's War or Medicon's War, but most of the time they call it King Philip's War. Um, he was able to actually gather together many tribes and he waged a very fierce battle against the pilgrims for about a year. But eventually there was a very heavy loss of life to the natives and the tribal alliance started to disintegrate. Uh, Medicom knew it was not going to end in a victory. He was eventually shot and killed by an informer. And unfortunately, he was decapitated and quartered. <gasps> oh, what a horrible. Uh, oh, terrible, terrible thing. Death. And his head was put on a spike and displayed in Plymouth for over 25 years. 25 years? Yes. It was pretty bad. Pretty, pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah. So wow. um, I don't think it's to anyone's surprise that they see his ghost still haunting the town of Plymouth, Massachusetts. When they see him, they say he looks very distressed and he's very clear he wants to be left alone. So when people try to approach him, he will charge at them and scare them away. Yeah. Yikes. Also, in nearby Norton, Massachusetts, about a half an hour from Plymouth, is said to be a cave called King Philip's Cave, and that's where he would hide out during the war. This cave is said to be haunted as well, with strange lights, phantom fires, and drum music being heard around the cave. Wow. 
I so. would like to see that cave. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? There's a giant sign that says King Philip's Cave. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's so weird. I've I've heard of King's King's Philip's War, but I never knew That's it was what it is. Yeah. The Native American's yep. name. Yep. Yeah. So they had given the, to him. They had the initial Thanksgiving. I don't know if King Philip was alive for that. I'm not I don't they didn't research the tie between him and the original Thanksgiving, which wasn't a legit feast. It did last for three or four days. And it was when the pilgrims and the Native Americans were on really good terms with each mm -hmm. other. And they just got together. There was one guy who could speak both languages and was a translator. And so they they traded and they ate and they really kind of bonded. And then over time, as more pilgrims showed up, it seemed that those relationships started to break down and eventually it turned into a bigger um, conflict conflict yeah. for sure. So I think that the actual day of Thanksgiving and the spirit of Thanksgiving really truly is about coming together with your neighbor and your friend and breaking bread and bonding. Absolutely. But unfortunately it's gotten a little bit twisted into the dark history that came right. after Thanksgiving because that so, was before that was before. It's, yeah that's what my understanding is, is it kicked off mm -hmm. their relationship with the promise of it being a positive one and eventually it, it fell apart that's uh that's the story interesting history mm -hmm. thank you yeah so moving on uh the cordage commerce center it used to be a rope making factory for those big ships mm -hmm. it opened in 1824 but it's very haunted with paranormal activity. Um, they actually closed their doors in 1964 because it could not compete with new types of rope being developed. Um, people have reported hearing disembodied laughter of children running through its halls and music wafting through the building. There was a story that when the factory was open, a young boy fell into one of the smokestacks and died. <gasps> oh. And it is reported by security guards that his ghost still haunts the halls of the building. They had even claimed that the elevators have a mind of their own and open and close when no one is operating them. Yikes. So that's I don't like elevators anyway. Right. Ugh. The next place is called the Spooner House Museum. Uh, the Spooner House was built in 1749 and housed at least five generations of the Spooner family until 1954 when the last Spooner to own the home died. He asked that the home be turned into a museum. All the residents who lived in the town have died and moved on, with the exception of one. A young girl named Abigail Townsend was taken in by the Spooner family in the mid-18th century. Mm -hmm. However, poor Abigail did not get the chance to reach adulthood as she passed away from an infection she received from a bad tooth. Abigail has been seen at the Spooner house on more than one occasion. One day in 2005, some repair men came to the Spooner home to work on the house. They were let in by a little girl in a dress that looked like it was straight out of the mid-18th oh, century. Oh, wow. They thought nothing of it because it was a historical museum after all. And they just saw, oh, this little girl's part of that museum <laughs> shtick, right? Yeah. After they ran into the curator, he inquired about how they got inside the house. They said, oh, the little girl let them in. And the guy was like, um, what little girl are you talking about? Oh, my God. So the repairmen were like, you know, the little girl in the, in the dress, the period dress. And the curator was like, we do not have any children here. And the repairmen were like, oh, uh, you know what? We got to go. We're, yeah. we're done. So they picked up their stuff and they split. And they're like, nope, not going to do this. this we're out of here. Bye. You're on your own. <laughs> Goodbye. She is also seen in the windows of the home, the bushes, and sometimes next door at the neighbor's house. Apparently, a woman that lived next to the Spooner house awoke one night to see Abigail standing by her bed. 
During one tour at the Spooner House, a woman felt a tug on her arm. She turned and she saw a little girl. The little girl said, I have to go now. And then poof, she was gone right in front of the entire group. Oh, wow. I wonder if she like has an older ghost minding her in the afterlife. The tour group who saw this thought, wow, that was a pretty cool magic trick. Mm -hmm. And the tour guide's like, that was no trick. (laughs) (laughs) You just saw a ghost. I would love to be on that tour group and see that. I know. We really do need to go take a tour of New England because that is where all the ghosts are. I mean, that's the oldest part of this country, really. I know. There's so many ghosts out there. Yeah. Yeah. So the next building I'll discuss is the Mayflower Society House. Hmm. Whoa. The Mayflower Society House was built by Edward Wilson, who descended from his ancestral relatives who were among the Plymouth's original pilgrim colony. After building the home in 1754, Edward was chased out of town as he did not support the coming Revolutionary War, and he wanted to stay loyal to Britain, sucker. So he was deeply encouraged to leave or face the consequences. He did so fleeing to Canada. However, it is believed that his spirit haunts the Mayflower Society House to this day. Visitors to the home can hear eerie organ music playing and see Hmm. the apparition of Edward as he floats to the halls of his old home. I love it. I like the organ music part. Now, the next one is quite longer and it's uh, really kind of cool. Burial Hill is a gravesite in Plymouth, a few blocks away from Plymouth Rock. It is where some of the original Mayflower passengers are buried. So the graveyard is as old as the 1620s. That is some old old graveyards. There are many tragic deaths associated with the graveyard as it has over 2,500 people buried there. On Mm. December 26, 1778, a ship called the General Arnold tried to move into the harbor to protect itself from a winter storm. But unfortunately, the Arnold got stuck on a sandbar and sprung a leak. The sailors, who were also Revolutionary War soldiers, had to go to the ship's deck to avoid the waters seeping in below. This made them vulnerable to the cold storm and even worse, cold icy waves that were hammering down on them from the ocean. Hmm. So the men drink with, I mean, just these stories about these guys back in those days. And what they had to endure. How tough they are. Yeah. So the men, they drink whiskey and the captains like pour the whiskey on your feet so you don't get frostbite. But they're like, no, we're fucked. We're just going to drink the whiskey. Oh. So they did. They drank the whiskey. They're like, we're not going to waste whiskey on our feet. Absolutely not. They're like, we're not going to survive this. We'll just drink it. So, um. The water around their ship started to turn to ice. It was so cold. Imagine the ocean turning to ice. Eventually, a few days later, the townspeople finally saw their break in the weather to check on them. What they found was horrible. Over 70 of the sailors had died frozen to death. They brought their bodies onto the shoreline and then hoisted them up to Burial Hill, where they were put into a mass grave for all eternity. When visitors go to Burial Hill, they see many pale figures that lunge out at them and disembodied voices telling them to go away and leave them alone as well as screams. They also see the ghost of Captain James McGee. He survived the initial storm but requested upon his death to be buried with the crew. They're not sure if he actually was buried with the crew, but they see him wandering around Burial Hill looking for them. One visitor to Burial Hill saw a man walking away from him up the hill wearing deerskin clothing. Hmm. He was yelling at the guy, but the deerskin man just ignored him. Finally, the man, the deerskin man turned around and showed the visitor that he had no eyes. (gasps) 
Another thing that is said to haunt Burial Hill is a puck wedgie. Okay, what? A puck wedgie. A puck wedgie. It's supposedly a Native American legend. They are small, hairless, imp-like creatures that like to play tricks on humans. They look like Doobie from Harry Potter. Awesome. That's what it looks like. So they say that those haunt Doobie. 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 A doobie. I wrote it down as D-O-O-B-Y. Doobie? Doobie. Doobie. Okay. They look like Doobie from Harry Potter. Oh, wow. That's great. And yet another tale, a Mayflower descendant named Thomas Southward Howland discovered a witch named Mother Crew living on his property. Mm. He told her that she had to leave, which she did not like. She told him, you know what? Make your peace because you will not live to see another sunset. Oh, it they... was just his mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're kicking me off the property. She said, they'll dig your grave on Burial Hill. The next day, Howland fell off his horse and died. He is also buried on Burial Hill, just like Mother Crew had promised. Oh, don't bother the mother. Don't fuck with witches. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't fuck with the witches. They, they can curse you good. Yeah. So the next place is the Trask House. The Trask House is a museum filled with period furniture, art, and ghosts, Carol. It, it is said that a former British prisoner who drowned in the Plymouth Harbor upon his return to America, people can hear moaning, footsteps, and thunderous door slams. <laughs> so all the artifacts and furniture in there, we don't know if that's haunted or just the building and the person's like going through it. They are claiming that this British prisoner is the one that's haunting it. I see. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's the Coal Hills Crypt. Coles Hill was actually the original burial ground for the pilgrims when they first came to the new land. Many of the original settlers died of starvation and the harsh weather during the first winter of 1620 to 1621. In fact, 52 of the 102 people that came died and were buried in the location now known as Coles Hill. Interesting. It was not named that at the time. The hill was close to the pilgrims village, which is why it was chosen for a burial spot. But in 1735, a great storm cast a torrential downpour upon the hill, unearthing and washing many of the skeletons down the hill and into the bay. I knew you were going to say that. I'm like, oh, we're going to have floating corpses coming up from the ground. There they are. Hi, Carol. So uh, they washed them down to the bay, but they were able to go and get them out of the bay. Mm -hmm. Finally, in 1921, a sarcophagus was built and the bodies were put there for their final spot to rest. It is said that this sarcophagus is quite haunted and you can hear the sounds of of the dead talking to each other from inside the walls and you will see creepy shadows hovering around it. I bet. I mean, are they all in there together? I think so. Because they aren't going to do like, well, this femur goes with that femur and that's sure. like, they're not going to be able to tell that. Well, I'm just surprised they even went into the bay to retrieve them all. Yeah, I mean, that's surprising to me. They were digging out bones up until the 19th and 20th century. They were still taking stuff out of there. So, yeah. Interesting. And finally, my last stop on my tour of Plymouth, Massachusetts is the John Carver Inn. Uh, on one side of Burial Hill is the John Carver Inn, and during the Revolutionary War, it was just a house, not the inn it is today. It was used by medical students. They would go to Burial Hill at night and dig up bodies out of the graveyard that they could practice on. 
God. Ballsy. Eventually, totally. yeah, eventually by the end of the war, the medical students were found out and banished from the area, but the spirits of the bodies that they dug up are still known to wander the third floor of the John Carver Inn. Yes. They mostly hang out in room 309 and mess with anyone who chooses to stay in that room. So, and I wonder how many of those ghosts piggybacked off those college kids when they got kicked out. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like, we're going to make sure that, you know, you get no rest or peace because you move my body up here to poke and right. prod with your little scissors. That would be hard being a medical student and then being alone with your cadavers in the Would you did, um, donate your body to medical science? You know, at first I was really thinking that would be a good idea when I saw Body World. Yeah. Have you ever seen that yeah. exhibit? where I they're... but I've always wanted to see it. I just thought it was so fascinating because I've never seen like a healthy person's body versus like somebody that has um, our sclerosis or whatever that is where the hardening of the arteries oh, has right. begun. And they had so many different body types, you know, an Olympian, a person that had heart disease. Wow. And it was really fascinating. I bet. Um, but I don't think I would just because knowing, knowing that, you know, when you disturb the body and everything, you can come back. Yeah. It like somehow tethers you yeah. to have your soul come back yeah. and like haunt it. I'm not sure I would, but I would definitely donate my corneas, my little eyeballs. But I know nobody wants them because I'm blind. <laughs> and um, so maybe parts of my body parts I would your donate. Body. Yeah. Yeah. I never really have given it much thought. I did put that I'm an organ donor on my driver's license. Uh-oh. Um, so yeah, they can kind of, yeah. they won't revive, they, they won't revive you then when you are in an accident. Be <laughs> wait, like, wait, she's an organ donor. Let her go. We've got some yeah, else who needs that we, heart. We, my aunt needs a heart. Um, Ooh, yeah. too bad. She's, so sad. She's gone. It's fine. You're gone. Call yeah. Her. Call it. Well, we call haven't, it. We haven't tried CPR. It's fine. She's talking. No, she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Here, just take this gun and get it handled over there. Yeah. Don't shoot her any major parts. We need that stuff. That's funny. I know. My story is not so much Thanksgiving. It's a cool, I was looking for some cool Thanksgiving stories as well. This story is about the very famous hotel. And by the way, it's very haunted. Mm. The Del Coronado mm. in San Diego, yes, California. It and it, and my story, um, one of the ghosts has a, a little bit of a tie to Thanksgiving. So a little bit of the history of the hotel. It's over 130 years old. Wow. It was built in 1888. Has been the vacation spot to many famous visitors from artists, film stars, members of the government, and even famous writers. At the time of opening, it was thought to be the largest resort in the world. The hotel has a marvelous history built by E.S. Babcock and Hampton Story, who insisted on using wood pegs instead of nails in the wood construction of the hotel. Hmm. The chandeliers were works of art designed by the Wizard of Oz author L. Frank Baum. And we know, we've probably heard, the quality of the food and amenities catered to the wealthy, even though at the time of opening, the cost per night was only $2.50. And that price included all their meals. Wow. Damn, times have changed. Inflation. Fuck you, inflation. 
<laughs> compared to today, with some rooms costing anywhere from $380 up to $2,500 a night. And in like 50 years, we'll be like, God, that's so cheap. It's so cheap. <laughs> $389, really? <Yeah>. So cheap. <laughs> the hotel has many stories of being haunted. The most famous ghostly resident is Kate Morgan. The tale of her sad and mysterious death has been the focus of many historians who want to solve the reasons for her frequent sightings and possible hauntings reported from hotel workers and guests for the last hundred plus years. Kate Morgan was born in Iowa in 1864 and was raised by her grandfather along with her brother after her mother passed away when Kate was only two. She later married Thomas Edwin Morgan when she was in her early 20s, and the couple did have a son, but he didn't live. He died only two days after he was born. Oh, that's sad. So many people lost their kids back then. Yeah. Um, childbearing was much different. Kate never recovered from the loss, and the marriage was a very unhappy one. Mm. After five years, Kate was rumored to have left her husband, starting an affair with another man, Albert Allen. They also seem to have had a very short-lived relationship. And according to some sources, she had become very ill and was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm. At the time, she was working in domestic service to a prominent wealthy family in Los Angeles. Mm. Hoping to restore her health, she made arrangements to travel to San Diego by train and to stay at the Hotel Del Coronado. Mm -hmm. According to the housekeeper who cleaned her room and drew her nightly baths, she was waiting for her brother, who was a doctor, to meet her at the hotel and start treatment for her diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It was said she checked into the hotel, though, using a pseudoname, Mrs. Lottie A. Bernard from Detroit, hmm. on the day before Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. There's your tie. There it is. I did it, Holly. I did it. Good job. Witnesses said she mainly kept to herself but remarked how beautiful and well-mannered she was, but also sad and very sickly. It's not known why she used a fake name to check herself into the hotel, but after her death, there were several witnesses who reported her having a heated argument with another man while traveling on the train. Some have speculated she could have been trying to reconcile with her former husband or lover, but the male companion was seen getting off the train at an earlier stop. Hmm. Days went by, and her brother never showed up at the hotel. Hmm. There was no word for him that he was delayed, and the hotel staff informed her daily that no letters had been delivered for her. Hmm. After several days, it became apparent that her brother was not going to meet her. On the fourth day, Kate left the hotel, went into town, and bought a handgun. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that's some serious depression. <laughs> yeah. On October 28th, in the evening hours, Kate was seen venturing out to look at the ocean from the exterior porch. The weather, it was said, was cold and stormy. The next time she was seen was when the hotel's electrician discovered her body early in the morning, lying at the bottom of the stairs that led out to the beach. Hmm. She had a gunshot wound to her head, and the handgun she had purchased was lying next to her body. Okay. Nobody came to claim the woman, and nobody could find a living relative connected to her registered hotel alias. Not even her brother, huh? Well, the newspapers, the thing is, is that she used an alias, so they didn't know right. uh, her right. real name. Right. The newspapers referred to her as the beautiful stranger, and her death was reported as suicide. 
Eventually, once photographs and the news was widely circulated, it was then discovered her true name, Kate Morgan. Hmm. And word was then sent to her brother and former husband, Tom. Mm -hmm. The unhappy ghost of Kate has been seen by many guests walking in the hallways wearing a black lace dress. Hmm. Guests who stay in her former room say they see the face of a strange lady wearing black in the reflection of their TV. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Creepy. Some of the hotel workers are convinced Kate is a regular visitor to the gift shop. Because they're constantly finding their shelves rearranged and items dropping to the floor without breaking and falling right side up. Huh. Kind of like a cat. Yeah, yeah. Kate has also been seen walking along the shoreline. Psychics and mediums all report sensing a cold, sad energy in the area where Kate's body was found. Wow, she was really depressed. Yeah, she was. She was really sick, too. Mm. And I think that was like her last hope, you yeah. know, getting treatment and being out there and yeah. having a plan. The original room number where Kate stayed has changed from 312 to 3312 and more recently to 3327. Hmm. Despite the changes, many reports have been listed over the years on the hotel registry by guests who requested their room to be changed due to their encounters with Kate and strange things happening that were unsettling to them. Hmm. Room 502, now changed to 3502, also has a tragic story. The hotel founder, E.S. Babcock, was known to stay in this room with his mistress. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was said she took her own life after learning she was pregnant with his child. However, her body soon vanished from the room, so there was never any proof of her pregnancy or death. I bet he took care of that real fast. <laughs> yeah. He was probably like, nope, you're gone. Yep, let's get that get that body out of here today visitors to the hotel say the room is filled with an unnerving presence and lights flicker on and off one guest reported to the staff his experience staying in room 3502 in may back in 1983 he was so freaked out by the curtains moving despite the windows being closed mm. he also saw a ghoulish yellow glow hanging about the room and there were sounds of someone gurgling oh <laughs> or gargling. Yeah. You know, uh, can you want to do the gargle for me? I don't know if I can. I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't either. I need some scope yeah. to really make yeah. that happen. Yeah. The man just couldn't stay the night. What makes the story so compelling is that the guest was a secret service member who was staying there to protect the vice president at uh. the time on an official visit. Really? Huh. And you know they're tough. Yeah. No. He was like, oh, hell no, I'm not staying here. Oh, well, that's awesome. <laughs> he couldn't even finish the night. That's great. Hotel workers often request working in pairs to avoid being alone in wow. the hallways or rooms. That is haunted. Mm -hmm. Catherine Donovan, who is the author of the book Beautiful Stranger, has commented on other ghostly encounters at the Del Coronado. She talks about a doctor who emailed her a story from a former visit to the hotel. He would find his shoes moved to a different spot in the hotel room when he woke up in the mornings. He explained that he was meticulous about his habits. Every night, he would place the shoes and socks at the end of his bed, so he had no rational explanation why they would be tossed around. Mm. 
Well, I do. You're a sleepwalker, of course. (laughs) One guest reported seeing her initials appear in the foggy mirror after her shower. Creepy. Where have we heard this one before? Ghosts love to do that shit. Yeah, it seems to be a real popular way for them to communicate, right? Mm, Yep. There are also reports of two children, a boy and girl, spotted playing on a set of stairs leading to a storage area. Hotel guests report seeing porch rockers swaying back and forth on their own. And one of the strangest stories is that a guest who checked into a room on the fifth floor reported hearing sounds of someone walking above him. Not unusual, except that would be the roof because the hotel does not have a sixth floor. (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) Yes. Despite all the paranormal events, Kate Morgan's former room is the most requested and usually is booked a year out in advance. Really? Do people have, like, is it that common? Like, if you go and stay there, you're guaranteed a paranormal experience? Apparently so. Really? Yeah, it's very, very haunted. Um, Photographer and author Craig Owens decided to research, write, and take photographs for historical hotels who claim paranormal activity. Of course, the Del Coronado, with its rich and extensive history, was on his list. He said that a lot of the hotels, he did not experience any activity. But at the Del Coronado, one of his recorders captured voices, footsteps, and a loud crash inside a room where they had just finished up a photo shooting. Oh, shit. He said this activity was disturbing to him because it was early November and the hotel's off-season, so there were very few visitors around. Mm. In 1980, a San Francisco attorney, Alan May, was reviewing old documents regarding the death of Kate Morgan and found an interesting note made by the coroner at the time of Kate's death. Hmm. He mentioned in passing that the bullet found lodged in Kate's head was not a match to the gun Kate had purchased. Really? Just in passing. The plot thickens. It does. No wonder she's upset. No wonder. Yeah, so... My question is, is this why Kate continues to haunt the hotel? Right. Is she trying to get justice for her untimely death? She was only 24. Oh, God, that was it. Yeah. Really? She's very young. Yes. And it does seem interesting that she had an argument with someone traveling on her way to the hotel. So you think the husband did it? I want to talk about (laughs) this with you because was she scared for her life? Was that why she used a pseudonym at the hotel? But it also makes me think maybe what she told the hotel worker was a lie. And she was actually there to meet a lover And not her brother, but she was embarrassed about it, so she used a fake name Mm. and then lied and said she was meeting her brother, who was a doctor. Uh Maybe she was just there for a last hurrah, and the guy decided not to show up. Was her actual brother a doctor? I don't know. They say he he was, or she said he was. So it's hard to know. You know, Mm -hmm. I haven't looked at the documents personally, and it seems like when you research this, there's different opinions. Um, like some people said, no, um, yeah, no, that she was going to meet her lover. They already just assumed that like she was trying to reconcile with her husband or something like that. And we just don't know. Back in those days, it was not looked well upon if you were a woman taking a lover, you're supposed to be married. Right. And if you were unmarried and you were pregnant, that was even more scandalous. And so you would maybe make up the fact that you were sick and had stomach cancer. Yeah. So just, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, We may Mm. never know, but the hotel staff wants to make sure Kate feels welcomed 
And it is said they always leave out an invitation for her to their annual holiday celebrations <laughs> so that she can enjoy the party. So gobble, gobble. I wonder if they've had any psychics come and try to move her on. I don't know about that. You should check yeah. the dead files and yes. see if Amy's been there. <laughs> Amy hasn't I was, been there, I don't think. I was tempted to look it up, but I was yeah. like, uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to watch an I episode. Know that one has been on the big haunting list for a long time that coronado del rey whatever it is. you know del coronado del coronado yeah. yeah and they um you know i didn't even get into the alien side of things there's been a lot of really? people um saying that they were abducted from that hotel staying there really and had like um wow alien ufo sightings and all this stuff well it so. is close to the sea right mm -hmm, the ocean yeah that's probably why. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to stay there if I could afford it, but it's very, very expensive. Yeah, no kidding. Shoot. <laughs> huh. Well, thank you. That was great. You're welcome. Um, And I hope you guys enjoyed our Thanksgiving stories. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we hope you have a wonderful day. And don't choke on your turkey leg. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. called the burial hill burial 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 the burial just hill. like i said burial hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's how i wrote Did that right right <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world the end. The welcome end. to yeah. my world <laughs> as the flames die down do remain undaunted Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode.